0: Welcome to Big Sky Writer, the podcast for storytellers of all shapes and sizes. Here's the host of Big Sky Writer, Clint Morey. Thank you, Mark. And thank you for dropping by to listen. Now, I don't know how it is around where you live, but around my neighborhood, all those brilliant light displays have been removed from people's yards. The larger-than-life figures of Santa Claus, sleighs, reindeer, and elves They've all been deflated and stuffed into boxes. Even the Christmas trees with colored lights that could be seen through the windows from the street, even they seem to have disappeared, having gone into storage until the next year. The celebration is over. Now, I hope you had a great Christmas, but I have a question for you. Did you thank everyone? Now, if you were smart, as soon as someone opened a present... You took a photograph or a video and sent an email or text message, or maybe you even called on the phone thanking the person who gave you the gift. The problem comes when you lose the note indicating who the gift was from. How do you thank someone for a present if you don't know who gave it to you? Now, even though Christmas has been over-commercialized and Christianity is routinely attacked in our culture. Most people still have, at least a vague idea, that Christmas has something to do with Jesus being born. Now, it's probably all those manger scenes you might have seen had you dared to go outside your house. But whether you scored big time this Christmas or whether it was almost a non-event, or even if it was downright depressing, I want you to know that you have been given a great gift and that gift was jesus christ coming into the world in order that you might be forgiven your sins and have eternal life and you don't have to wonder who gave that gift to you god has made it very clear that he is the one who gave you that great gift uh you didn't read the note (laughs) so how did he make it clear Well, God gave us prophecies that were written in the Bible hundreds, and in some cases even thousands of years before Jesus was born. In fact, there are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in Jesus' life. But I thought you might want to look at just a couple of those prophecies that dealt with the birth of Jesus. The first one comes in the book of Genesis, and if you're not familiar with the story, it might seem a little strange to begin with, but it's God when he spoke to Satan in the Garden of Eden. He tells Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And he was talking about the coming judgment that would be on Satan. Now, that prophecy was fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, In Galatians 4, 4, we read, When the time had full come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, in case you haven't drunk deeply of the current politically correct view that even men can have babies, then you might think that only women have babies. And in that case, you might say, well, that's not all that impressive of a prophecy If you're going to have a baby in the future, it's going to come from a woman. But the next prophecy in the Bible is a little more difficult to explain away. The prophet Isaiah, writing about 700 years before the birth of Christ, said, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7.14 Now, if you believe in biology instead of whatever the current politically correct police want you to believe, then you probably have an understanding that a virgin birth is a scientific impossibility. And yet, a virgin birth is exactly what happened. And you can read about it in Matthew chapter 1 or Luke chapter 2. And that, in fact, is the Christmas story. Now, there's something we also need to know, and that's, Where did Jesus come from in terms of family lines and all? The Old Testament says that this person who is coming is going to be called the son of God. In Psalms 2, it says, you're my son. Today I have begotten you. And it's, again, an interesting thing that when Jesus was baptized by John, that what actually happened was a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And that's in Matthew 3.17. For those of you who haven't read the New Testament, the very first chapter of the very first book starts in a rather unusual way. Let me read it to you. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. Genealogy. The New Testament starts with a list of names. Why would you start a book with a list of names? What's that all about? Well, this particular genealogy is evidence that God is responsible for the birth of Jesus. This genealogy starts with a guy named Abraham, who lived about 2,000 years before Jesus was born, and God told Abraham, in your offspring... Shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. It's Genesis twenty two eighteen, 18. And we learn that that was fulfilled as we read in that first verse of the first book of the New Testament, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. And the Lord spoke to Abraham and told him, quote, through Isaac shall your offspring be named" unquote. Genesis 21:12. And Isaac, well, he had two sons. They were twins, Esau and Jacob. Now, Isaac preferred Esau, but God saw that Jacob would receive the blessing, and it was said of Jacob, "A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel." That's in Numbers 24:17. Now, Jacob had 12 sons, and that's a lot, but when he was old, he gathered all of his sons together to tell them what was going to happen to them in the future. He went through the list and said, this is good, and this is bad, and all this kind of stuff. Well, to one of his sons, Judah, he said, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Genesis 49.10. And the prophecies continue. One deals with a guy named Jesse. The prophet Isaiah writes, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And through the prophet Jeremiah, again written about 600 years before Jesus was born, we learn that the Messiah would come from the line of David. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. That's in Jeremiah 23.5. Now I want you to think about this. The genealogy from Abraham to Jesus covers about 2,000 years. Now I don't know how far you can go back in your genealogy Uh, I can think of, okay, my mom and dad, my grandparents, and I never knew my great-grandparents, but I did hear a story or two from my mother's mom about her dad, so that's about as far as I can go, which is four generations. The genealogy of Jesus given in the Bible stretches back 42 generations. And God told the world that Jesus Christ would come through those particular people. Now, that's incredible. (laughs) Imagine yourself. Imagine if someone picked out your ancestors from about 2,000 years ago. We're talking the year 21, not 1921, but 21. Can you imagine if someone was able to go through your list of ancestors and point to the individuals that would lead directly to you. Would you be impressed? That's what God did with his son. He let everyone know who Jesus' ancestors would be. Now, God is awesome. But it wasn't just genealogy. God also told where Jesus would be born. The prophet Micah gave this prophecy about 700 years before Jesus was born, eliminating all the cities of the world except one. But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth to me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of old from ancient days. Now, That's a great prophecy. It identified the city where Jesus would be born, but there was a problem. Mary, the one who's pregnant, and Joseph lived in a place called Nazareth, not in Bethlehem. So how could that prophecy be fulfilled? Now, for some reason, we don't know, uh, but again, think of it. God said, this is going to happen. For some reason, the head of the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus, decided that everyone in the world, okay, everyone in the Roman Empire, should be registered, and he required that everyone must return to their hometowns for that registration. So Joseph had to take Mary to his hometown, and guess where that hometown was? Bethlehem. And that's where Jesus was born. You can read about it in Luke chapter 2. Now, there's one more prophecy I should mention, and it's a sad one. The prophet Jeremiah, writing 600 years before the birth of Jesus, said, A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Jeremiah 31, 15. In Matthew chapter 2, we learn that Herod, who was the political leader of that part of the Roman Empire, heard from the wise men, you know, the story, okay, of the wise men. They came through and said, oh, we're looking for the Messiah. And that really bothered him. And then they told him, and that Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. We're going to go there and give him a bunch of gifts. Well, Herod didn't want to face any competition. And this Messiah guy sounded like competition to him. So what Herod did? He ordered that all the male children in the region of Bethlehem, two years old or younger, be killed. And I can't even imagine how the people must have mourned and wept for their babies. It's a sad story, but again, it's part of the evidence that Jesus is God's son. These events were all predicted by God so that we would know that Jesus coming into the world as a baby in a manger was not an accident. It was an important part of God's plan to reach you. So, whether you had a Christmas that brought friends and family together, or you had a Christmas all alone, know this, God loves you, and he sent his son to earth so that you might have eternal life with him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You couldn't have had a better gift. Now there are more than 300 prophecies in the old Testament that were fulfilled in Jesus. And I just shared a couple that dealt with Jesus's birth, but those prophecies were given hundreds. And in some cases thousands of years before the birth of Jesus Why did God do that? Why so many prophecies? Now, I think there are a couple of reasons. First, God reveals that he alone is God. In Isaiah, it says, I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Being able to tell what's going to happen hundreds or thousands of years in the future is not a common skill that most of us have. In fact, it's not a skill any of us have. One of the purposes of prophecy is to make it abundantly clear that God is awesome. No one is like him. But there's another reason God uses prophecy. God knows what we are like He says through the prophet Isaiah, the former things I declared of old, they went out of my mouth and I announced them. Then suddenly I did them and they came to pass because, and this is important, listen to it, because I know that you are obstinate. Your neck is an iron sinew and your forehead brass. I declared them to you of old before they came to pass. I announced them to you, lest you should say, my idol did them. My carved image, my metal image commanded them. God knew that people would try to explain away events that he ordained. So he told them about the events before they happened. So this Christmas, even though it's just passed now, you were given a great gift. I hope you've been able to thank everyone who gave you a gift. And I hope you thank the one who gave you the best gift of all. Before I go, I'd like to share a blessing with you from the Old Testament. May the Lord bless and protect you. May the Lord's face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious to you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. Number 6, 24 to 26. Until the next time, be the reason. Someone smiles today.